We're doing this special Big Self podcast because everything changed this week. The response to the worldwide spread of the COVID-19 coronavirus has upended all of our lives. Workplaces shut down, schools closed, major league sports suspended their seasons, airlines cut their flight schedules, hospitals began preparing for a predicted surge of patients. On Friday, uh, President Trump declared a national emergency. And now the social distancing is the new catchphrase that we are all becoming very familiar with. By all accounts, staying away from other people is the very best tool that we're told that we can use right now to our advantage to keep this virus at bay. As of the re- as of this recording, y'all, there are now 3,000 confirmed cases uh, in this country, and we know that's extremely low with limited testing. So who knows what's more to come? That's right. We, um, m- My sister-in-law, uh, Lindsay Prevost, she is a nurse anesthetist, and she's been on the front lines at Erlanger, and she's like, I know we don't have a lot of confirmed cases in Hamilton County, but, uh, but it is here. People are coming in with it. And I mean, she came home this, this past weekend and was like social distancing, like to the extreme, just like, we're not going to talk to our neighbors. It is, we're going to, to shut things down. So we're following this stories along with all of you all. Um, We've seen some pretty unprecedented uh, cases of people coming to others' aid, like lots of heroism, and uh, especially with our healthcare providers and Lindsay, God bless her, all the people that are doing pretty amazing work right now. And we've seen examples of the worst coming out in people, you know, here locally, we had a couple of brothers who bought, what was it? 17,000 hand sanitizers and stockpiled yeah. in their garage. And they're now, um, upset because Amazon and eBay have shut them down. So they cannot sell, um, these goods to anybody. So this made national news. It was in the New York times recently. And um, they were given a cease and desist letter. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, and they say they're sorry, but obviously it's one of those things where they're sorry they got caught. It seems that is not bringing out the best in people, is it? Uh, No, (laughs) to say the least. Um, You want to punch people like that in the face. And I would say this too, Shelley, as we think about the idea of flattening the curve, as we're trying to say, because we've seen that graphic, that curve, it went up so dramatically before uh, the peak seemed to end in in China, and the curve went up. I mean, and it overwhelmed the 60 million people that are basically being quarantined in in Italy. And our our, situation is... We're not, our medical healthcare system is nowhere near what even Italy's uh, is. So we're not prepared for it. We're not testing for it. So that, that, that creates this anxiety. And there's a couple of different responses that, that like we're seeing people go toward one extreme or the other. I don't know if it's bringing out this best or the worst, but some are like kind of dissociating like you and I were talking about, right? And you have seen these things on social media where people are like packing a Brooklyn bar and they're like partying or you're seeing people in New Orleans having, you know, barbecues and just like all is all is well. And we're just, this is how we do coronavirus, you know? And and so it's, um, well, I I think your article, 
um, your medium post this week talks a little bit about that. And we can link to that in our show notes, show notes here. Um, but this idea of, of, you know, this crisis is really a litmus test or can it be a litmus test for your level of consciousness, for your level of awareness, um, and your own responses to this kind of large stress response. And so I think that there's, uh, yeah, I think there's two kind of, um, camps of, of people and how we tend to respond to these types of situations. One is this, uh, escapist kind of dissociating, minimizing, I might, I might call it that also. Um, and then there's this other camp of people that, um, tend to awfulize and catastrophize. And so they take something that, um, is very real and, you know, blow it up into some doomsday, um, scenario. You know, we, we had, we just had a family meeting, uh, which we've tried to do over the last, a uh, few weeks consistently with the kids. And, um, and it was, you know, interesting listening to their responses were very much, you know, either, or either, uh, dissociating, um, minimizing or, um, an awfulizing, like, what does this actually mean? And so we had some real truth telling with our kids. And I think the, the lesson that I'm getting from, um, I'm trying to remind myself through this yeah. is, um, to be present with what is, to mm. really be with whatever emotions are coming up right now, um, whatever that might be. And without this compulsion or this kind of impulse to do something with it um, that might not be as healthy as is just simply sitting in what I'm feeling and, and honoring it right now. Like there's a lot of fear, of course, there's a lot of um, desperation, there's confusion, there's anger. So whatever's coming up. And I think that's the message that, um, we're giving our kids anyway. Well, that's, yeah, uh, that's okay. That's a whole lot right there. Yeah. Each kid at their different age, age spectrums, um, kind of do have, they seem to be having different responses. Um, I mean, I think they're all taking it with uh, a certain degree of seriousness. They know that like us, we've never been through, a situation like this in our lives and we don't really have the answer other than to say we are going to be we're going to err on the side of caution because why wouldn't you in this case isn't it better to do a little social distancing and try to flatten the curve than to take any kind of unnecessary risk with any cert- apparently and I don't know how correct this is but you could have the coronavirus within you. I, I'm, I believe I've heard this from a number of sources. As long as like 14 days without necessarily knowing that you're showing symptoms, and so there, and without testing, like we may be around people that have it and don't know they have it, and that's again just contributing to part of the scary, the scary quality about this. And and I will say it's really cool that you're um, you're feeling like you know bringing up some mindfulness. Um, but like a lot of, I think a lot of the idea here is that it, our, our social contribution is that we're supposed to be isolating. And so it's like to do, we're doing like this social good for the people who are more um, subject, vulnerable in our population, but it doesn't feel like we're doing anything and we're isolating. And so it's, 
a tough position that we're all in. Well, and can we get okay with what will will always be unknown? Which is the we don't know what would happen if we didn't do this. You know, and I think that that's um that's what we have to figure out how to get okay with. Um, and I think, you know, what you just told me was there is a paramedic in Italy yeah. who was 47, who was, who died. A guy named Diego is 47. who's in good, good health. And he had 102 degree temperature. Suddenly he, he, he contracted it. And before the test results were even in, he died overnight. He had just told his wife that all would be, you know, for her to go to sleep. And she, and she said, is that because you're, you're going to go die? And he was like, no, I feel fine. Or I, he's like, he was like, no, I just need to rest. And he died in his sleep, they said, of a heart attack while he was uh, having this temperature. I mean, it's just frightening. And fright the youngest him. person who has died is 38. That's what we've heard so far in Italy. That's the youngest person that we've heard of dying. So it gives us some relief that that it's not children that seem to be the most vulnerable to this but contagion. I think, I think it does give a reference point, though, for people to understand um, the, the probability of contraction, it's not unheard of. Yeah. It, it that is it's happening. just the elderly or something. Right. Yeah. That there's things that are, um, pretty sobering about this. And so, and here's what, mm. you know, my thing though is like, okay, it's sobering. We're all kind of waking up to this reality right now. What, what now? Like what, what, what do we do with that? And, uh, you know, if you're an Enneagram six out there, uh, this will resonate with you all. I'm not an Enneagram six, but I have enough Enneagram six in me that I can be anxious and fearful and uh, kind of fret about things and, mm. and kind of thinking through contingency plans. And so, you know, what's interesting is all this is going on right now. And I don't feel that impulse to want to do that. I feel actually quite calm there's a sense of what can I control and what can I not control? And I'm going to focus on what I can control. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of those, um, the Enneagram sixes out there. So the loyal skeptics uh, are motivated by fear and, and having a sense of safety and security around them. And I've heard several of them during the last couple of weeks say that they feel an unusual calm because hmm. they're always thinking of worst case scenarios and contingency plans and what happens if this. And so now in a crisis it's happened and there it's almost a relief that they don't have to think about the what ifs anymore. Um, and they're not alone. You know, the, the yeah, rest, there's, there's preppers out there, right? Saying, I told you so to everybody. Uh, yes. But I think the rest <laughs> of the world is feeling like an Enneagram six right now. Hmm. So there's this sense of, of belonging that they're feeling that we're all kind of in this together. It's not just me out here, you know, waving the flag to everybody. Um, so I think that's, that's a little bit of how I'm experiencing this right now. Um, and trying, like I said earlier, just trying to really be aware um, using this opportunity to do some of that inner work that I talk about so much. Well, that d it leads right into the, speaking of that article that I wrote uh, for for Big Self um, on Friday. I came; it, it was inspired from a quote that um, I came across from uh, Eckhart Tolle on uh, on on being more uh, conscious, and I came across this quote, and and it's a, in, in a really in, insightful way of being able to like take a little bit of an inventory of like 
Well, just how conscious are you really? And this is the quote. The best indicator of your level of consciousness is how you deal with life's challenges when they come. Through those challenges, an already unconscious person tends to become more deeply unconscious and a conscious person more intensely conscious. You can use a challenge to awaken you or you can allow it to pull you into an even deeper sleep. So I think that this um, this challenge, this this collective challenge that we're all facing is a moment, and that's the point of this kind of emergency broadcast podcast that we're doing, has an opportunity for us to like, you know, kind of ask the the what now? What are we going to do? How can we build community while being in this strange new normal? I, and I'm, I'm just thinking of this differently now as you reread that quote. I think there's a couple levels of consciousness that we're talking about maybe. This individual consciousness, mm-hmm. which is what I was referring to with, um, you know, building that mindful muscle in this time of having space to reflect a little bit, do some introspecting, uh, really look at your patterns, um, you know, the conditioning of your mind as it responds to this crisis. But there's also this collective consciousness, Yeah, you know, and that, you know, as a community, as a Nate, as a globe, as a world, how we are collectively, um, responding to this. And I have to say, like, that's probably the, the biggest silver lining that I can see about this whole freaking thing Yeah, is, you know, the, so the amygdala in your brain, when it's firing, the fear center, the fear center, the reptilian brain. That's is right. So that's, it. that's where the, um, the fear is elicited and it's usually, it's elicited for un- things that are unknown. We'll just call it that. Yeah. Things that are are threatening. And our brains thrive on it. Absolutely. Well, our brain tries, tries to make sense of it. It tries to compartmentalize it and make a narrative out of it and make it like fit into our our own kind of way that we see the world. And it, it creates a stress response. And so most of us know the stress response of fight, flight, or freeze. Um, it's very biologically wired in us when we when the amygdala creates a uh, a fear or an, you know, some type of threat, it detects a threat. It gives us this, this surge of hormones that creates this fight, flight, or freeze response. The less known stress response by a woman named Shelly Taylor, psychologist, is the tend and befriend stress response. And oh, cool. this is, um, as evolutionarily wired in us. Um, but we just, we don't know it as much. We don't see it as much, but I am really, um, I don't know the right word, happy, excited, surprised to see this tend and befriend response, um, become such a, I think there's a, there's an evolution of our consciousness and how we can't freak out in the ways that we typically do. (laughs) Like, and we can't escape the way that we typically do. There's no, bars to go to as much. There's no sports stuff. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're having to rethink community. We're having to, so, so, so this instinct to deal with stress and fight, flight, or freeze is, I, I think it's becoming a little bit, um, blunted 
And so what a lot of people are doing, they're still stressed and they're finding outlets in this tending and befriending. And tending is, is what we do for the offspring. I mean, that's the nesting instinct. And then um, befriending is reaching out for social support. And, pe- and people are doing that in really creative ways. And so um, that will save us. That will, that response is so important. And there's a lot of debate whether women do it better uh, because of our social conditioning, but it's. Well, let's not go there right (laughs) now. We're, we're trying to bring everybody together, not divide. No, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that it probably is true. Um, Both biologically, I would say, and maybe through social socialization, but um uh, well, I wanted to say even before we like continue that line of, of thinking is that also like a lot of people critique, you know, this idea of what we, you know, like we're talking about, like, well, find your calling or mindfulness or uh, trying to meditate and, and you know, have some uh, kind of wellness activities in your life. And, and they critique it as like, oh, isn't that nice for the privileged people who who can do that? A lot of us are just surviving or getting by. And I actually think that mindfulness is actually the very work that you do for stress, for mm. the crises yeah. that come, whether they're personal, whether they're collective crises. This is the opportunity to like, like become aware, do some inventory, do some work, we're seeing an opportunity through what we're trying to put together to how are we going to bring people together so that we can, um, even if it has to be digital while we're keeping our social distancing, how are we going to start bringing some people together? Thinking about another kind of silver lining of this crisis. Um, you and I talk a lot about habits. Um, I think, you know, many of us spend time just doing day daily things that, you know, we're not super conscious and intentional about the habits we want to build. And we just, you know, talk to our kids about that in our little meeting, you know, making goals for the next couple of weeks. What are some things that they want to accomplish? <laughs> yeah, for whatever that might be worth. Right. <laughs> um, but I do, I think, you know, you've been really um, intentional in the last week about building some habits. Yeah. And I'd, I mean, I think that'd be worth sharing with people how the, how you're using this time and kind of how you predict you might be able to use this time thinking about habits as you as you're here at home. Yeah. So, um, you know, as as many know, to, I've taken the leap of faith and um, have uh, jumped all in to what is what what you have been building for a while, a big self. And I am all in now too, but it's like, it's, I've, I'm cut off from certain routines and that I, that I was doing. And I have found myself kind of creating some structures and what's interesting, what's fun or, you know, kind of challenging in this fun way of needing to create your own structure is, uh, is like is I think it's the it's called the domino effect. Like when as soon as you make one positive or by positive we just mean like a healthy habit. Um, you like it's like it, it immediately leads to kind of your that positivity leading to others. And recently, like well, I hadn't worked out in a while. I mean, I was going for some walks and stuff, but I just hadn't been working out. And so just one day, I decided 
Like I'm going to do some object writing once a day for 10 minutes a day and that's it. And I'm also going to start working out. I don't know. I just decided those on the same day. And, uh, and I've started working out again. And it's almost like as soon as you hit it and you do it that first time, whatever the, the scientific thing that's going on in your brain's going on and you're just feeling better and you just want to do it the next day, it's so much easier. And also I could talk about the object writing. I think it's a really cool first step of like, like getting into that writer mind. And uh, it's literally, you can't let it be any more or less, or like more, more importantly, more than 10 minutes a day. Try it for six weeks. It's like you take a, a subject and you write it as like objectivity, like as, as imagistically as you can stain with the thing you can, you can do association. I could, we could dive into the, we should have a whole episode about that. That would be fun. It is a, a powerful, profound thing that I'm going to try to do for 42 consecutive days. Do it for six weeks consecutively every single day without breaking the chain and see what that leads to. But also, so speaking of the domino effect, what that led me to was like, you know, we've, we've done a lot of talking about like meditating. I've heard so every time you look around about speaking of like taking inventory of your consciousness, you hear so much about like meditation, meditation, meditation. And you know, within meditation, it's like, I, yeah, but it's impossible not to think of anything. It's hard to stay still. And, but this is what I decided to do. Like before I do my 10 minutes of object writing, I'm going to do just like make it low, low entry level, easy to do 10 minutes of meditation before I do that. And it is like, I literally am doing a meditation where I'm trying to do nothing but think about my breathing and just pay attention to the breathing. I want to build up to at least 20 minutes but I'm starting at 10. And so those are my three habits. It's like, I'm gonna start meditating 10 minutes a day, I'm doing object writing 10 minutes a day, and I'm just doing light and easy, but like I'm working out most days of the week. All of these are contributing, and I feel so positive, and I, I feel very healthy, and I also feel like I'm getting a little bit out of that monkey brain that they talk about, where you're mm -hmm. constantly just like anxious and having to do, and you're like a little bit more like you've got like a parent in your brain, kind of letting your, your, your child brain, you know, jump around and you, you're a little bit more in kind of a control, I guess, a control of yourself and your reactions. Yeah. So, and I want to let people know that over the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to do some Facebook lives on my Facebook page. Um, and one of them, Chad's going to be sharing some of his insights and some of the research he's learned about on habit formation. And, um, you know, we have some space, maybe a little bit more time. Although I'm like, people are like, I've got more time. I'm going to be at home. I'm like, like, I, how, even then, how do you have, how do everybody yeah. have so much time? You know, I was thinking about this just right before we decided to do this kind of emergency broadcast podcast. We were, if, if like you were already feeling overwhelmed the past month with like parental responsibilities and other things, like... I can only imagine that right, sure, right now it might feel kind of like, oh, we're all together, but I, I, I can't, it's, it's not going to take very long where the isolation and the constant having everyone there and not able to go see anybody is going to wear on us. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so it might be a pipe dream right now that we think we're going to have so much time to start these new habits or that we even want to, but we're going to do a Facebook live on that yeah. and yeah, share some information with you all. Uh, we're also going to do a Facebook live on how can we stay community? How do we stay connected? And then we're going to do one too on anxiety and isolation. And so kind of the flip side of that. So um, if you don't follow my Facebook page now, uh, go do that. And then we'll be broadcasting those and we'll let y'all know when they come up. And one thing that we're really excited about. um, So for, gosh, a long time now, I have been wanting to do online coaching groups. And um, those of you that did the pilot with me back in the fall, you were a part of some of that. But I have this concept I call inner circles uh, based on the work of Parker Palmer, his circles of trust, his kind of framework for how um, how groups can come together and through support and accountability and, you know, semi structured conversations really meet each other in this kind of this community. You can find who you are. You can do the self inner work best when you're in a trusted tribe of people. And so I have spent a long time thinking about this and forming this, writing about it. And Chad and I just were talking this weekend and we're like, it's time to launch this. It's time to, um, there's probably no more time than better time than right now to put this out there and lead these groups. And, you know, going back to the tending and befriending instinct, I think, that's certainly something I want to promote. I want to build a platform for people to be able to do that. Um, so we're doing it. We're going to be launching these in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, and I think it, this is the opportunity that that you're. This is the 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 moment, the context in which, like, it's like time to jump in and do it. That we can do them digitally, and it is an opportunity to help people while we're feeling isolated to be in these this digital group. I think it's going to become more and more a part of our times. And, and certainly I think this is a, a a cool opportunity. Yeah. So if you're interested in getting more information, go to shellyprevost.com slash inner circles and you can um, get more information there. You can sign up to get some emails for when everything's ready and buttoned up and ready to go. And, Which is coming soon. Yeah, and the goal is to get these launched here in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, the digital f- landscape right now makes that really easy and possible to do. So, um, and of course, you know, find find me on social media, and if you have more questions or want to know what they're about, um, I'm happy to answer that. But if you do go to shellyprevost.com slash inner circles, you can find all the information there as well. You know, we, we know that you can get all the media that you, that you want to get on the latest updates on coronavirus, everything. We wanted to give a slightly different take and um, a big self kind of way of, of, of framing and, and looking at and considering the issues of the day. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, stay safe out there. And I want to say stay sane out there. Really uh, pay attention to what's coming up for you. Try to stay connected as much as possible. That's how we're wired. We're social creatures. We we need each other. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys, hopefully in the inner circles as we, as we get those going. 
thank you for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, join the community on Facebook at the Big Self Society. You can find us at big underscore self on Twitter. And we are also at the Big Self Society on Medium, where we feature and curate content on topics ranging from psychology to creativity and productivity. We'd love to hear from you. What show made an impact on your thinking, your habits, your decision making, or anything else? And anyone you'd like us to reach out to and have on the show, let us know.